Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. Please join us in person this Sunday for Bible study at 930 or our worship service at 1035. We promise that you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please visit our website, gpindy.net. Let's join our service already in progress. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and sing, I know whom I have believed. The chorus is scripture. Let's sing it together. worship you Jesus and uh, we just sing it three times if you don't know it the first time jump in on the second if you don't know by then jump in the third time all right here we go I want to worship I want to worship you Jesus sing it with us with my heart and my hand Lord, you are holy. Lord, you are holy. Lord, 
comforter, my constant friend, my source of help. You know me better than I even know myself. You know that I am merely clay, a vessel that so often breaks. When I do, Lord, there you take the pieces of me and you make me complete. You're the healer of my heart. When my world's torn apart, you're the
Well, we just want to sing and worship the Lord the rest of our lives. Uh, let's sing a great little chorus called Evermore I Will Love You. Evermore I will love you. Evermore I will serve you. prison they were opened by love my ransom was paid I was free I'm free from the fear of tomorrow I'm Guilt 
that I carry from this dull, empty life. I'm set free. For when I met Jesus, He made me complete. He forgot the foolish one. good to be saved, isn't it? It really is. And then also, I just want to give a big scream out that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Amen. And uh, I've listened to some of the remarks. It's just ridiculous how our democracy will probably completely crumble. By the way, I'm just saying Brother Matheson come down here with their new baby. Aren't you glad they didn't abort that baby? Amen. And uh, I think to myself, how selfish can we be? And uh, here we have killed over 40 million plus unborn children over our history of Roe versus Wade. 40 million plus and yet they're crying democracy and everything like that. And so uh, they need to just suck it up like we've had to suck it up for the last many, many years. Amen? And so thank God that they changed that. And it still doesn't stop abortion. That's the amazing thing about it. It just sends it back to the states, and the states will decide. If you want to get an abortion, you can go all kinds of places to get an abortion. But the principle of the thing, I'm so grateful for that uh, we have overturned that uh, evil law. Uh, I think they should show several abortions on TV and just show the chopped up kids or the burned kids up. Uh, why don't they show that? Because that's what really happens within the womb. And uh, uh, God help us. Uh, a woman does have a right to her body, no question about it, but she can't kill that life that's within inside her body. And we've always been against abortion here at the church. And uh, we always treat people graciously. If somebody wants to, uh, yeah, I mean, they come from an abortion, they've had it. Uh, there's grace, there's mercy, uh, there's forgiveness. We go on for Christ. I understand that. But I'm just grateful for what happened Supreme Court. Okay. What must I do to be saved? The truth. I'm going to just, real simple message this morning. And... Uh, 
Repentance means a change of mind, okay? Faith means a change in heart. And there's a difference between the two. The faith means I trust in Christ. There are many within Christendom. They say a lot of things how you're supposed to become a Christian. Uh, one says, well, you need to turn from your sins, stop sinning, and make Christ the Lord of your life. And when you do that, that's when you're saved. I've seen it on YouTube and a lot of individual people. Our answer is in the question form. We say, where's the sufficiency of the gospel in that? Uh, you don't have that. Or how can a spiritually dead person do this or anything? Huh? How are they going to turn from sin when they're dead in trespasses and sin? Secondly, some people say, well, you need to keep the sacraments, the mass, baptism, confession, list of works and rituals. And if you do that all your life, you'll be saved one day. We once again answer with a question, isn't salvation of God and not by man's human efforts? Of course it is. Three, you need to repent, turn from your sin, be willing to wash away your sin by water baptism, then obey Christ's teachings to maintain it. Then you'll be saved. Well, once again, is that not works? Uh, it's works to begin with, and then if you have to maintain it, that means you have to live a certain level of life and who determines what level of life you have to live? And on and on it goes. And then some people say, well, you must be water baptized. You must have works. You need to have or give evidence that you've been saved by having miraculous powers and sign gifts. Just like some people say, if you truly got saved, you'll speak in tongues. Okay? That goes along with that. Mark chapter 16 is used, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I just say to you, first of all, are you a Jew? And that kind of goes with that. But he that believeth not shall be damned. For these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, lots of luck on that one, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on them, on the sick, and they shall recover. And so when you take that within its context, we know that that's speaking to the Jews. Jews require a sign. Amen? It's very, very simple. And then some people say, well, you must believe, be water baptized, and then keep the Sabbath and keep the law of commandments. As a result of people saying these things, as a result of that, it leads to a lot of confusion. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I mean, it's very, very simple. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1 who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Verse 10, But is now made manifest to appear by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light, how? 
through the gospel. That's how a person saved today. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, it says this here. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. You know, Paul even comes out and he says, listen, uh, it's important to understand this for this dispensation of grace that my gospel, even though it's talking about the same person, my gospel is not of the twelve's gospel. The 12's gospel had to do with Israel and the kingdom, what they will be doing. But my gospel is whosoever will in the sense that it's to the Gentile world. There's neither Jew nor Gentile actually in my gospel. My gospel is according to a revelation that Christ revealed to me personally. He says this in Romans 2.16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, my gospel of grace, that Christ, the Son of God's death, burial, resurrection was sufficient to wash away all your sins. That's how men during the time of the body of Christ will be judged. Did they believe in the gospel or did they not believe in the gospel? You see, Paul's gospel is and was unique. That means there's never been one like Paul's gospel. It's only for this dispensation alone, faith alone and the gospel alone. That's how we're saved. You see, Christ did a work when he died and rose again from the grave, didn't he? We know this. He defeated the law's penalty. The law's penalty states in Colossians 2.14. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I miss, I missed Romans, didn't I? Going back to Romans, I want you to show that. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. Now to him that is power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. It was revealed first to the Apostle Paul, the accomplishments of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? In doing that, he defeated the law's penalty. Colossians 2.14. Colossians 2.14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it, the law, to his cross. Amen? Romans 6.14 says this. Romans 6.14 says that we are not under law, but we're under grace. Amen? We're no longer under law, we're under grace. And then he defeated death itself. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Thank you. That's the verse there I want to show you. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Where's the Lord? He's on the right hand of the Father in heaven. We're going to be present with the Lord. How did he get there? He rose from the grave. He's alive. Amen? He defeated death itself. Revelation 1.18. We are confident, I say, and we'll, that's the wrong one. I'll get it in a minute. 
I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. You see, Jesus Christ, he defeated death by rising from that grave. He also defeated the demonic forces. Colossians 2.15 says this here. And having spoiled principalities and powers, that's the evil spirits, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, in the cross. He defeated them. He defeated, defeated the devil himself. He states this in Hebrews 2.14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Christ, also himself, likewise, took part of the same. He became flesh. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. He defeated the devil, okay? It states in 1 John 3, 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. So Christ has defeated the devil, one day that will be completely fulfilled when Christ returns to this earth. Also, he defeated hell itself. Acts chapter 2, verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loin, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. Now get this that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. You see, when Christ died, he went to the heart of the earth, to hell, but in the paradise compartment. He didn't go to the burning compartment. His body saw no corruption, and his spirit, I should say, and it raised up from that place. Hell couldn't hold him. Then he defeated man's condemnation. Romans 4.25 says this, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. That's the gospel. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So with, there's no condemn, condemnation. Nobody can condemn us because God has forgiven us. We that are saved. We don't come under any condemnation whatsoever. So I say all those verses to say a few things. Salvation is all about Christ, all that he has done and accomplished for our salvation. And it's important we understand God does not accept any part of man's works of any kind. Man's work, if he thinks he can help God save him. That is an insult to God's grace and also an insult to his son and what his son alone has accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. It's important for us to understand everything necessary to be done to save us has already been done. All we need to do is just believe that. 
Believe what God's word says. What shall I do to be saved? Believe, believe in what Christ has done. Romans 3.24 says this, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Throw away works and just believe in who Christ is and what he's accomplished. That's all we do to be saved. Even consider this, and this is where I'm being honest with you, Sometimes I vacillate because there are different things going through my mind and my heart. Do we even need to say the sinner's prayer to be saved? And the answer is no, not. I don't need to say the sinner's prayer to be I just need to believe in my heart. But there are different sinner's prayers and uh, that groups use that are very, very familiar. You, you would know them. Example, here's some sinner's prayers. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Save me from my sins. Come into my heart and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Another one is, Lord, be merciful to me. I am sorry for all the bad things that I have done. I turn from or repent of my sins and give you my life. Amen. Another one says, God, I confess all of my sins, and I ask for your forgiveness. Please take me to heaven when I die. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord Jesus, I surrender everything to you. Come into my heart and make me new, and I promise to serve you all the days of my life. What did you notice in all of those? They're not claiming the sufficiency of the gospel that Christ died, was buried, and rose again, and that alone. It usually adds different things into it rather than just saying, I believe the true grace gospel that saves is the accomplishment of the Son of God through his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, I have a short message this morning. I'm waiting for an amen. Come on. <laughs> Remember, our task, thank you, is to present the grace gospel of today clearly, plainly, simply, unattached to any part of works. Amen? But we also know, and by the way, those people, and they give those prayers, they're involved in that emotionally. I mean, don't shortchange that, okay? As a matter of fact, sometimes if you go back and you talk to that, those people, even though they've said that prayer, you begin to talk to them, and some of them have said, oh, I do believe that Christ died for my sins, was buried, and rose again. So you have to be careful about that sometimes, I believe. But we also know Satan's poison is close. His counterfeit gospels are working in full force again. God's true 
grace gospel, he's trying to stain it. It states in 2 Corinthians 4.3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so there is a blinding factor that's going on when the gospel is presented. And he wants to blind people to the truth of who Christ is and what he's accomplished. And we see that. He gets close. He's a counterfeit. You've seen some counterfeit bills before, right? I mean, it's a counterfeit. It's close. It looks real. But boy, when they put that yellow marker on that thing, it shows up. It's not real sometimes. So he gets very, very close. And by the way, Paul says we shouldn't marvel at this because he's transformed himself into an angel of light. Even his ministers, his angels, they go about looking holy. And just because a person mentions the word God doesn't mean they know anything about God or they're sharing the truth. And we have to be careful about that. The Bible says this. Unlike faith, which is not a work, prayer is a work. Now that's where the crux of the matter comes in sometimes. Prayer is a work where faith is not. Colossians 4.12 says this. Epaphras who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Prayer is work. How many hours did you spend this past week in prayer? And probably most of us, including me, would hold our head down. It's hard to pray sometimes, isn't it? Huh? It's a battle for me sometimes. So it is a work in the sense that you have to work at it. It states in Romans 15.30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. You strive. You have to battle. You have to struggle. It's a work. Prayer is a work. And what is being said could possibly be true. I understand that if you pray before believing, you're nullifying grace because prayer is a work. That's what that's what a lot of people teach. We are saved apart from works by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on his cross, his burial, his resurrection, without works. So no sinner's prayer saves us. Prayer is what believers do, not what lost people do. John 9.31 says this, Now we know that God heareth not sinners. Interesting, isn't it? Huh? Very interesting. 
The question is, in Paul's epistles, do we ever read of someone praying in order to be saved? So how are we to be saved today? Well, the Bible truth is very simple, what I just said a while ago. 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Verse 3 says this here, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. That's the gospel. That's what saves a person. Faith in that. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. We believe the gospel, and we are saved. Romans 3.22 says this, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, Unto all and upon all them that believe. We believe. 4 5 says this here. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. We believe and then we're saved. Then he says this. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We believe it. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. 1 Timothy 1.16 Howbeit, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth, uh, might show forth all long suffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. I think it's very, very simple. I am saved when I believe. Okay? That's what I'm saying. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. Faith cometh by hearing. The truth is the gospel. The gospel of your salvation. Christ died for your sins, was buried, rose again. After that ye believed that ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, I'm not going to show you more verses, okay? I just wanted to show those, and it shows that we hear the gospel, we faith comes by hearing, and when we hear, we believe, and when we believe, we receive life everlasting and the Holy Spirit, okay? Not because I said a sinner's prayer, but because I believed, okay? You go to 
the typical Baptist church that I used to belong to, any Baptist church, somebody comes forward. They say they want to be saved. We say to them, do you know that you're a sinner? Do you believe that Christ is the Son of God? He died for your sins and he rose again? And that it's not by your works, it's all what he's done for you? Now that's good so far, right? And the person says, I believe that in my heart. They say, good, bow your head and say this prayer and ask Jesus to save you and come into your heart. What, what happened? If he believed that in his heart, he was already saved. Amen? He was already saved. Right at that very, very moment. By saying, just bow your head and so on, that's asking the sinner to do something. Or that's asking somebody who's already saved to do something he doesn't need to do. I've been fighting with this in my heart, and I, I vacillate back and forth sometimes. I don't know if it's because it's been ingrained in me uh, over all those many, many years. And sometimes I'll say, Pray this prayer. The prayer doesn't save you, but tell God you believe that he died for your sins, he's buried, he rose again. And sometimes I think that that's a good thing, and there's a reason for that. God knows the heart, and we don't. If they believe that Christ is the Son of God, he died for his sins, was buried, and rose again, they're saved, safe, secure in Christ. I think of Paul. The Apostle Paul, I'm trying to put these words, I'm skipping a lot here. The Apostle Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. But later on, Ananias and the other Jews took him and they water baptized him. They believed that that was part of the salvation experience. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, right? Repent, be baptized for the remission of sins and then you'll receive the Holy Ghost, right? That's what Jews preach, Acts 2.38. And Paul, being a good Jew, he followed right along with it. But, now don't miss this, in doing that, it did not nullify his Acts 9 experience when he was saved on the road to Damascus. Huh? And I think sometimes, where I've come from, I've always thought it was good to help pinpoint a certain point in time when somebody believed. Because without knowing that sometimes, because we can't see what the Spirit does sometimes, right? We begin to question and doubt, did I, was I? And so I've tried to help 
to pin it down by saying the prayer. And I understand that saying a sinner's prayer can be dangerous in the fact that you're entering, you're allowing people to enter into a work thing. I understand that. I've talked with people before, and they've said, I've said to them, have you ever been saved? They said, yeah, I said that prayer. And they put their faith in the prayer without the belief in the heart, thus thinking they're saved when in reality they're not saved. And so that's what I've been battling through my mind and my heart. And I think, uh, just like my own life, I remember Carol and I, we were having marital problems back then. I wasn't saved. She was. She was starting to go to church, and I hadn't been yet. And we had an argument. She's hard to live with. Hard, hard. And for some reason, I came back. When I came back, the preacher was sitting on the couch. And uh, that's a good pastor. And uh, she was saying, I don't think he's coming back. And I came back, and he went through the plan of salvation. And I saw there in the word of God, and he said, say this prayer with me. I said the prayer. And as I, I said the prayer, then I began to try to conform to what they were saying the church you need to do and be and so on, not do. It wasn't until not a long time after that, but some time after that, when I'm sitting in church and Holy Spirit conviction got a hold of my heart. And I believed in Christ right there in my seat. I, I've never forgotten that. And I, I've said to myself many times, it's not saying that prayer that saves you. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. It's believing in Christ and what he's done and that alone that saves you. And it's not anything we do. It's all what he's done. I believe it. And belief is not a work. I hope I didn't confuse you too much. Okay? And so I think as we grow in rightly dividing dispensationalism and right division and these things, there needs to be some grace allowed to allow people to grow to a conviction of what they actually believe this is about. And that's where we ask for grace. We're trying to do our best and uh, hope we can cut it straight. Amen? Are you happy? Anybody learn anything this morning? A little bit? Okay. The important thing to be saved is to do what? Believe in who Christ is and what he's done and accomplished. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. And God, help us to be able to understand, illuminate our minds to what is truth, and we promise to follow it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. 
Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.